Romans 6, verses 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God, in Christ Jesus. But turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, we are... Prior to Advent, we were walking through First and Second Samuel. We'll return to Second Samuel next week, but wanted to teach through Romans chapter six briefly about baptism, baptism and our union with Christ. We have several in our church, several children, several students, and several adults who've repented trusted Christ's work, but have yet to be baptized. I want to teach on that for a moment while we do that. I was baptized with several of my cousins, several of my friends, even my dad. We were baptized together. Special time for me. I'd recently been converted several months prior, and I'd repented and trusted Christ. Um, For me, my salvation experience was like Saul on the road to Damascus. It was a life-changing experience in a, in a moment. God radically changed my life. Baptism, my baptism was important as well, not because it, that experience changed me. No, I was already changed. I was already regenerated. I was already redeemed. I was already saved. But baptism was a picture, a drama, a reenactment, if you will, of what had already taken place in my life spiritually. It was a way for me to, to tell the church, my church family, and to tell the, the world that, that I was now born again and I was a believer and I was a follower of Jesus. Our church's statement of belief concerning baptism says this. says, Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It's a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, it is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. In other words, that last statement is, to be a part of our church family, you must be a baptized believer to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, We ask you to, to be a baptized believer as well, and there's reasons for that, and I'll teach about that in just a moment. But a couple things from our text today uh, that I just want to uh, 
point out is, firstly, baptism is important because discipleship and obedience is important. If you read through the New Testament, which hopefully uh, you do regularly, you read the Bible, if you read through the New Testament in, in one setting, if you would, you'll see baptism occurring over and over and over again, especially in the book of Acts. But we can treat baptism wrongly in two extreme ways. The first extreme way, and when I say extreme, what I mean, that's a negative connotation there. Because I can say, well, you're an extremely beautiful person. Well, that would be a, a positive thing. But here, extreme, when I say we, we treat baptism in extreme ways, that's a, a negative thing. It's, you can say that baptism is part of the saving process. That would be an extreme way of using baptism. Or someone's, may, someone may say that one can't be a Christian without baptism. Some would say that in order to be born again, in order to be saved, to be regenerate, you must be baptized. In other words, if you confess Christ, and then you, you must immediately be baptized. If not, then your confession or your profession of faith means nothing. Well, the only thing wrong with that extreme understanding of baptism is what? It's wrong. The only thing wrong with it is it's just wrong, right? There's no saving merit. In baptism, there's no evidence from the Scripture that being baptized does anything to make one a believer. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. You know, we don't do anything to earn or merit our salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God. See, baptism is declarative. It's declaring a person is born again. It's not sacramental in the Catholic sense of the word. Baptism is a picture. It's a, a drama, a symbol picturing the, the great doctrines of salvation, right? Not sacraments securing salvation. It's like when you get married. For, for me, I wear a wedding ring. Now, wearing this wedding ring doesn't make me married because there was a time I had something wrong with my finger and I didn't wear my wedding ring for about a year. That didn't mean I wasn't married. No, putting a ring on my hand, on my finger, doesn't mean I'm married. No, what, what says I'm married is the vows that I make to my bride. When I make those vows, when I made those vows to Jenny, that's resulted in me being married, right? not the wedding ring. And so baptism is, is like the ring, right? It's the picture that shows we are, we've placed our faith in Christ. The second extreme is to say that baptism is not that important. On one hand, no, it's, it doesn't, it's not a saving act. It doesn't, there's no, nothing magical about it. There's nothing powerful about it. It's an act of obedience. But the second extreme to say it's not important. Well, they really don't have to do that. It's not really something that I have to do. But if you read the Scriptures through the New Testament, the only person that you see identified in the New Testament that repents and is not baptized is, is who? Yeah, the thief on the cross. Well, why wasn't he baptized? Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he, he didn't live that long, right? Minutes 
Hours later, he perished, right? But Jesus, because of God's grace, says, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? So baptism is not essential for salvation, but it's essential for obedience. Jesus was baptized. We talked about that in our small group with the students. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus was not a sinner that needed to be forgiven, but he was, a, he was baptized because that was the Father's will. His baptism prefigured his upcoming death. See, he submitted to the Father's will by being baptized. Submitting to baptism is an evidence of righteousness, not a way to become righteous. John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, and then there's a parenthetical statement there, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So baptism was important. Jesus didn't baptize, but his disciples did, right? Acts chapter 2, we'll look at a couple other incidences in the New Testament. This was on the day of Pentecost, verses 38 through 40, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. We see those repentant believers being baptized. Acts chapter 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, verse 36 through 38, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. Philip had been explaining the gospel using Isaiah. The eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 through 33. This is the incident of the Philippian jailer. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And the jailer took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So we see baptism is a, it's an essential part of Christian discipleship. This is clear from Matthew's Gospel, the Great Commission, right? Where disciple-making is said to consist of baptizing Converts and teaching them to obey the commandments of Jesus. Let's look at that passage. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. An obedient church, I think a biblical church is... Uh, will take to heart the risen Christ commands to share the gospel, to seek to propagate conversions that result in people obeying the Lord in baptism, instructing them and seeing them grow in Christ. But on an individual level as well, those who place their faith in Christ have repented of their sins. They should be baptized as part of their Christian discipleship. And some people ask me, I know we have people from different faiths and different denominations and whatnot, they say, well, why, why do you, several, I have several believers, sisters in Christ, who have been asking me that question lately. They come from a different tradition. So why do you immerse? You know, are you dogmatic about that? I say, no, we're dogmatic about the gospel, right? But um, we immerse, meaning we, we 
put the person in water. And here soon we'll have a baptism here. We'll be able to sh- you'll be able to see that. Well, there was a the older man who talked. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm going to share a story with you to help explain why we um, it, why we immerse the believer in water. I believe it's that's what's commanded of Scripture. That's how we baptize. But some um, an elderly man talked often of his mother, how he loved his mother who had passed on. And he was asked if he had a picture of her. He says, no, he didn't have a picture. And so someone else said, hey, I've got a picture of an of a, a elderly woman, a very beautiful elderly woman. Would you like that picture? And he says, well, why would I want a picture of someone I don't know? No, what I'd like is a picture of my own mother. Well, baptism is a, as we immerse people in the baptism pool, it's a pictorial representation of some facts of infinitely more value and concern to the world than a picture of someone's mother, but it is a, a, a good picture. It's a drama of what's taken place. And I think the immersion aspect of baptism, that's what it actually means is to immerse is as good a picture as you'll find. So some ask me, well, is sprinkling, is that a sufficient baptism? I would say, well, baptism is baptism. And the reason we don't sprinkle and the reason we immerse is because the immersion is a, a, a picture of what has taken place in your life. And I'm gonna, we're going to look at that text in Romans chapter 6 in just a second. But baptism portrays outwardly what has already taken place in your life spiritually. Baptism is commanded by our Lord and should be obeyed. And so I tell you, if you're a child, if you're a student, if you have a child in your home that they've repented of their sins and they've, they've, trusted, Christ's work on their, as, they've trusted Christ's work on the cross as their own and you've seen this fruit in keeping with the repentance, then your child should be baptized. Um, if you're a student, you should be baptized. If you're an adult, you should obey the Lord and be baptized. It's important because discipleship and obedience is important. The second thing we see that I think we'll see in our text here in Romans chapter 6 is faith unites us to Christ, not baptism. But baptism symbolizes the faith union believers have with the crucified, buried, and resurrected Savior. Let's look at Romans chapter 6 really quickly. The context here, the theme of Romans is God's righteousness is by faith in Christ. That's the theme of the book of Romans. And we're not righteous, Jew or Gentile. Neither are righteous. And God will judge all because He doesn't show favoritism. But a righteousness that, that is from God has been revealed in which the law and the prophets spoke about. And this comes about by grace through faith in Jesus. The results of justification are given we have peace with God. And then what Paul does prior to chapter 5, Hunter, is he compares the work of Adam to that of Christ. Christ undid the work of Adam. Adam's work resulted in condemnation, but Jesus' work in justification. God's grace is infinitely greater for good than Adam's sin is for evil. As sin increases through the law, the power of grace is magnified. So sin is overpowered by grace. And that's leading up to chapter 6. So 
If sin increases through the law, the power of grace is magnified. Sin is overpowered by grace. And some people would say, so I should sin more and more and more. So grace is made to look more and more beautiful. And so Paul would say, no, that's not, that's not the case. Should I keep sinning so God can keep on forgiving? Well, no. Why? Because we died to sin. Our relationship to sin has changed. That's what Morgan read in chapter 6. What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. No way. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who, were, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism, what, is it, what does it do? Why do we immerse and, and what does baptism do? It symbolizes our union with Christ, death, and burial. And here in beginning in chapter 6 through chapter 7, Paul gives three analogies to establish that right living should accompany the justified life. We don't sin so grace can increase. And it, the, the analogy we're looking at today is baptism. Baptism is a symbol of death and burial. Just as Jesus died and was buried, we too, as we place our faith in Christ, Braden, we have participated in His death and burial. So we died to sin so we can do what? We can live a new life, a life of obedience. Believers live a certain way as a result of dying and being buried with Christ. But that baptism is a symbol of our union with His death and His burial. Faith unites us to Christ, but baptism symbolizes that, that that union is taking place. So what you're saying, actually when you're baptized, you're saying, I placed my faith in Christ just as Christ died and was buried. I too, my, my, my old way of life, I've died to that way of living. I've died with Christ. Baptism symbolizes also our union with Christ's resurrection. Verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We're united with Christ, not only as His death and His burial, but also His resurrection. In verse 6 through 10, we're, we're running out of time, but it repeats pretty much. It Restates verses 3 through 5. Our old self is our old sinful nature. We who are in union with Adam, we have this old nature, right? This sinful nature. But by belonging to Christ, we've been crucified with Him that our old nature is done away with. Our old self has been reduced to impotence, if you will. Verse 10 and 11, and we'll close this up. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. A friend of mine, pastor, he had used a good illustration. I think it's helpful. He said, if someone is guilty of a crime and was sentenced to die, suppose that person was, they were guilty and they were executed for a crime they were guilty of. And suppose that person died, but they came back to life after being put to death. Then you have someone who was guilty, was punished for their crime, had paid the debt by, that they owed to society, yet was still able to live. I mean, think about it. Someone's put to death, 
but later they come back to life. That's, what happened to, that's what's happened to us in Christ. By our union with Christ through faith, we've died with Him, yet we live. And we'll live for all eternity, for as we die physically, we'll be absent from the body, but we'll be present with the Lord. So that's what's happened to us as believers. So it's not like, oh, we, we, we get away with our sin. No, we sin, but it really doesn't matter because Christ has forgiven us. It's not that. It's no, we, our sin was paid for. Christ, 2,000 years ago, suffered the wrath from the Father that we deserved. He received it. It was paid for. And as we place our faith and trust in Christ, we then, just as Christ was raised, we have resurrection life, which means we are free from our old way of life. We're free from bondage. We're free from sin's grip and hold. We can, because of Christ, we can live obediently. So baptism is a picture of that union. And it's a public declaration, really, of that the sinner has placed their faith in Christ, united himself with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we think that's really important. I know, and the reason I'm sharing this today is because um, quite a few have been asking me about this, and is that something I need to do? And if you've, if you've repented and trusted Christ's work on the cross as your own, you've been united with Christ through faith, you need to be obedient in baptism. That's something we're not, we don't harp on always, but it's something you need to do, I think, as a believer. Christ commands that you read through the New Testament. Believers are baptized. You know, it's kind of traditional Baptist churches. You have invitations and you have people walk the aisle, you know, and a lot of times you say, well, I made my profession of faith at a certain day. I walked the aisle and told the church that I was a believer and wanted to follow Jesus. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But really, your public profession of faith is your, is your baptism. It's your coming out party, right? It's when you're saying, hey, I'm not a, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not, a, I'm not walking in the flesh anymore. I'm not in bondage to sin. I am a believer, and I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're telling the church. And you're telling the church, also, treat me like a believer. I'm not dead in my trespasses and sins anymore. I, I'm, not enmity, I'm not at enmity with God anymore. I'm a, a child of the King, and I want to obey the Lord. And so, you know, when I'm not obedient, I want you to tell me that, and I want you to discipline me if you need to. Help me follow Christ, walk in obedience. But baptism shows that that's happening. So application-wise, we always want to end in application. What do, we, what, what, what do we do by way of application? Well, if you've repented and trusted Christ's work, then you need to be baptized. So I'd love for you to talk to me about that. And if you're a parent, and if you come to me and say, hey, I want you to talk to my child, well, first of all, I'm going to say, yeah, I would love to talk to your child. But I'm going to ask you, have you talked to your child? Do you feel like your child has repented and trusted Christ? So if you're a parent, you're like, well, my child maybe is a believer. Then you talk to your child and you come and talk to me when you think your child's a believer. And I'd love to be able to discuss that with you and your child. But if you're a, a born-again believer and you've yet to be baptized, I would encourage you to be baptized. But, but for us who have been baptized, what about us who have been baptized? Well, 
uh, I think baptism is a picture uh, of what's taking place in our life, and it reminds us of Jesus' death, His burial, and resurrection. And um, because of our faith in Christ, we don't have to live in sin. We're free from that. The bondage of sin, the penalty of our sin debt's been paid. We can walk in obedience. Um, we need to meditate on that and think about that. That's what's so great. And if you're in here pretty soon, we're going to be able to have that baptism, just a reminder of what's taking place in our lives. Sin's been defeated, right? So let's live like that. And lastly, if you are here and you've yet to repent, you've some of the, what we're talking about doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you say, well, I, I can't really say that I've repented. I've turned from my sin. I've, I haven't trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then I want to encourage you to repent. Scriptures say that all have sinned, Jew and Gentile. We all deserve the wrath of God. And that's what will be poured out on all those who rebel against the Lord. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, He came to earth and He lived for us. And He obeyed for us. And He died and took the wrath of the Father. And I want to encourage you to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own so you can be a child of the King and so that you can be forgiven, so you can know Him. You can be set free from the bondage of sin and you can walk with Him all of your days. So I encourage you to do that. If you've got a question about that, I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, if you want to talk about baptism, I'd love to talk to you about that as well. But as baptized believers... One of the things that he, the Lord commands us to do is to remember Him and what He's done for us. And so if you're a baptized believer, I want to encourage you to, as we take the Lord's Supper, I want to encourage you to, to, to take the Lord's Supper with us. We have what's called open communion. Open communion doesn't mean that everybody can take it. That's not what that means. If you're a baptized believer, we'll encourage you to take the Lord's Supper with us. And you say, well, I'm a baptized believer, but man, I hadn't really been living for the Lord. Well, the Lord really doesn't give us that option. He doesn't say, take the supper in remembrance of me if you've got all your ducks in a row. Maybe today you haven't been living rightly, and by the providence of God, the Lord's brought you here. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, as we take the Lord's Supper, we've already had a, a time of, of examination, but as we pass out the elements, as we pass out the bread, as we pass out the juice, this is going to be a time for you to, to spend time with the Lord. So if you haven't been living rightly and in rebellion against the Lord. I'm not going to tell you not to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to tell you to take the Lord's Supper. But what you need to do is you need to repent of your sin. And you need to take the, the bread, remembering the, the body that was broken for you. And you need to take the juice and, and remember that, your, that Jesus' blood was shed for you. So if, if you're here and you have children and they've yet to repent and, and they've yet to be baptized, then we'll ask you not let them take the Lord's Supper today. If you're an adult and you've yet to repent and you haven't been baptized, uh, you're not a part of the people of God, the family of God, the church of God, then we'll just ask you just to pass the, the bread and pass the juice and you just think about that as we take the supper. Okay? I'm going to ask the, the deacons to come forward. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.